flashback to my time in college at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Fitness was different, to say the least. I was there starting 18 years ago, from 2004 to 2008, and to say that the elliptical was at its peak popularity is an understatement. My workout routine, the same routine that bored me out of my mind and led me to start a sweat life started there. I did the same elliptical arms and ab routine every day, or if I had a big test to study for, I would read or review flashcards on a Stairmaster or while walking uphill on a treadmill. And while I worked out, I would listen to my iPod with a click wheel, which was playing some kind of jam band. I'm really just trying to set the scene for you here. I did, on occasion, waltz into the weight room after getting a trainer before my sophomore year of college, and that trainer had me lifting weights and doing functional fitness. I loved it, but walking into the weight room always felt like a record somewhere was screeching to a halt. A lady you could see, or at least I perceived seeing the question cross their all-male faces. We had two main rec centers there, the SURF, which stands for the Southeast Recreation Facility, and the SHELL. I was a SURF loyalist. I would walk across campus wearing my Sophie shorts, a cotton sports bra, and a white Hanes tank top that used to be called something completely offensive, and I will not utter it here. But I was today years old when I realized the SURF facility was demolished, redone, and it's now named the Nick. I just spent way too much time jealously perusing the website for the Nick. It's a gorgeous facility that exists thanks to an endowment from the late Albert Nicholas and his wife, Nancy Nicholas, who both graduated in 1955 from Wisconsin. I told you all of that to tell you this. The facility is more than 30% larger and has functional training areas, which I think represents the growing importance and changing direction of fitness for college students. But when I was in college, I remember vividly two people I was aware of who had taken in love boutique fitness classes. One would fill her car with people and make a trek to a yoga studio nearby back when yoga studios did not play hip hop and were crunchy granola before we had a phrase for it. And another who was so deeply unsatisfied with the quality of cycling offered at the surf that she once, and I'm not kidding, took over the class to do an arm song. I was there and I was equal parts terrified and in awe of her confidence. This is Gina Anderson Cohen, by the way, founder of A Sweat Life and the host of We Got Goals. And I took you on that walk down memory lane because today's guest, Sam Carl, president and co-founder of Camps Fitness, created a boutique fitness concept that launched its first location in Madison, Wisconsin, in the heart of the action on State Street. Camps has been given high honors, including being named best studio in Madison by ClassPass, and it created a community that worked out together online throughout the pandemic, which you'll hear Sam talk about on the episode. Camps has a high-end feel. Its room is packed with cutting-edge technology, but it's priced for the market. In Madison, for example, a drop-in class is $23, whereas a similar class in Chicago would cost $32. And today, Camps has expanded from Wisconsin to Miami and Los Angeles, we talk a lot about how Sam and his brother Ari launched the very first camps in Madison with a very different go-to-market strategy than one would probably use in a major market outside of a college campus. They gave out shots and free class cards at bars, which should serve as a reminder to anyone in their 30s how different life is now. The thought of one, taking a shot, while two, simultaneously planning your workout in the morning is fairly representative of my college experience, but it is incomprehensible. now. Sam shares the good, the things he and his brother have learned from, and what it's like going into business with family. And because we love to offer you the chance to try these studios for yourself, Camps Fitness is giving you a Sweat Life listeners a discount. 
Use code ASWETLIFE20, that's A-S-W-E-A-T-L-I-F-E-2-0 to get 20% off all packages and drop-in classes. And remember, your first class is free. And here I am with Sam Carl. This is Gina Anderson Cohen, and I am here with Sam Carl, who's the president and co-founder of Camps, which actually opened its first studio in my sort of home away from home, Madison, Wisconsin. Sam, tell us about Camps. Uh, home away from home. It always, whenever you go to college in Wisconsin, it's always your home away from home. I went there as well. I'm an alumni. Um, Camps is a group fitness studio. Um, we opened on college campuses. We're open in a couple big cities, and our plan is to essentially open everywhere in the United States and get to every uh, fitness community. It's no big goal at all. No, not, <laughs> we, we, we shoot for the stars, you know? <laughs> That's so funny. Um, previously on the podcast, we had a guest years ago, Matt Matros, who founded Protein Bar and then Limitless, like the caffeinated um, sparkly beverages. And he said, like, no joke, no, no sarcasm, like totally straight face, that his goal for Limitless was to penetrate 100% of the coffee market. So you know what? You're in good company. We set big goals here, right? Hopefully we can follow in his footsteps. <laughs> yeah. Just sell some companies. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I love your, your journey. Um, Sam, you and I have gotten a chance to, to chat. I love your journey from sort of corporate life to fitness. Um, how did you fall into fitness or what kind of made you ultimately like walk away from your career as a lawyer? Um, so, I started working out in college. Um, I deal with really bad migraines. So actually a doctor uh, told me, hey, stop eating this, this, and this, and it should help your migraines. PSA, it didn't help my migraines, but I did it anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, so in at that time, things like, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of it, but P90X, Insanity, the at-home workouts started to come out. So my roommate and I used to be on the football team, just started working out every day, doing P90X and Insanity. And then I went to law school and started practicing law uh, after I passed the bar. But at the same time, I was working out every day. Um, And then a company in Miami asked me to work for them as a trainer, just out of the blue with no training, just because I had been taking their classes. And I did it. And it stuck. And I fell in love with you know, the community helping people, not uh, sitting behind a desk and reading contracts and doing real estate law. You know, I was happier wearing shorts and a t-shirt than a suit and tie every day. You didn't like reading contracts? I thought lawyers liked that. That's why we send our contracts to them. <laughs> I personally didn't like it. Um, no, in- engagement with people and uh, being surrounded by, you know, people that are happy most of the time because they're working out was a little bit of a better lifestyle. Yeah. So I can, I was kidding. I know no one actually likes reading contracts. Um, so I can like fully identify with with this journey you've been on, Sam. I don't know if, if you and I got a chance to go into it, but I, post-college, I was working in agencies like PR and ad. And one day it was just like, I don't want to, this desk is a prison. <laughs> I'm dying here. And I, and I had that same sort of feeling of, of like, I got to get, I got to find joy wherever that may be. But it seems like 
um, you could, you kind of had joy, you know, like reach it's out fun. to you. It's funny you say that. Cause you, with working with the people that have been able to, you know, a, a little bit of younger crowds in the college town and, you know, our front desk staff, I get the question a lot about why I made that transition to fitness full time. And it's very cliche, but it's so beyond true that if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I found a passion that was, I was fortunate enough to turn into a lifestyle and a way of living. Um, but it, it, it remains true. It's just find something you love to do and you'll be much happier waking up in the morning. That's absolutely true. And I mean, they're to be fair to the kids, to the kids out there, to be fair, yes. there are still hard days, but it's just kids. Um, <laughs> but it, like, they're a little, it's more like you go to bed being like, okay, the great days or the passion makes these hard days. Okay. Is that your sort of experience? Yeah. I mean, nothing is a hundred percent easy breezy all the time. Yeah. Right? There's, I can tell you this, there's something wrong at all times, but <laughs> yeah. And that I have to fix. Um, but it is, it's, you enjoy the journey and the journey, if you love what you do, that's overall, overall arching is, is the idea. And, you know, like preview, we'll talk about the pandemic later, but let's not, let's not talk about the problems we have to solve yet for, for that. Uh, okay. So here you are, you're in Miami, like you're doing great teaching fitness classes, Cut to you opening a fitness studio in Madison, Wisconsin. What made you make the jump? What made you decide to open a fitness studio there so, specifically? So I originally was working for a bigger, now very corporate, like very big company. And I went to the CEO and I said, hey, I would like this to be my job. I need to growth. Um, and I didn't want to just be a trainer. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. So I came up with an idea and, you know, help with my brother and family and, you know, essentially what exists in major cities doesn't exist so much in college towns. But mm -hmm. the people from the cities live in college town for nine months a year, if not more. So why not bring mm -hmm. what they're used to and what they have at home into the college town as well? Um, and... We opened our first one in Madison, not only because I went there, my father went there, my grandfather went there, but uh, it just fit our demographics. You know, we did a lot of research on, I think there might've been like 10 to 15 college towns where we were demographics, everything, what it looked like, visiting places. And, you know, we landed on Madison and we were very lucky that it, you know, it, it didn't hit right away. But uh, with time, effort, and work, uh, we were able to get it going. Yeah, and it, it's it's so interesting too because you talk a lot about sort of the the community that you've built in the studio, but also among employees. So um, let's talk a little bit about that. You've got the studio open in Madison. That was like first case study of how to build what you really wanted to see. Um, what did you do to build culture and community in that studio? And we'll, and we'll talk about how you filled the classes too, but let's start um, with culture and community. Culture and community. I mean, everything we do at, from camps is, comes from my brother and I essentially. And well, now we have a bigger team, but we're family owned. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We like to have fun. We don't want anyone yelling or uh, no one's getting angry at each other. You're having open and honest, transparent conversations, no matter what's happening. So 
we hired, we interviewed, I don't know, 30 college students and then also trainers. And it just so happened that from the people that we liked, liked each other and it grew a community. And it just so happens that it's the same way in every studio now, which is really amazing to see that the front desk staff, the trainers, um, the managers, everyone kind of does everything together. We, there's no hierarchy, the trainers clean, the owners clean, the managers clean, everyone does it as a group. And that helps build our sense of community that no one is better than anybody else. And we're all in this together and we all want to succeed together from, you know, doing the most minuscule job to teaching the classes itself. And it's really carried over into who we are as a a family and community as well. Well, I feel like that, that kind of attitude like spreads to classes too, because I mean, we've all been in a class where you're like, I know this person who's next to me on a treadmill is the trainer's favorite. And the trainer thinks they're like the best at this. And you're sort of like, what about me? (laughs) I'm working really hard. And, And I feel like when, when you're in a class where, and you're in a community where like everybody is treated the same and everybody is sort of like, it has that same work ethic, it trickles down into the studio culture too, into the classes. Would you say that's happened? Uh, I believe so. I mean, one of the major, <laughs> major, like, major I hope. Influence. Yeah, I hope so. I hope it's happening, Madison, right now. But um, <laughs> it uh, it's one of those things that when we're training our trainers, we train them to say people's names, interact with everybody. Not your, not your, you're obviously going to have your friend that's in there that you're going to interact with most as a trainer and instructor. But it's not about them. It's about the group. It's about making everyone feel comfortable. It's about making sure that someone who's never worked out in their entire life, but someone who works out every single day gets that experience of, okay, I'm in a group fitness class, but I'm okay and I'm safe and he cares about me or she cares about me. And that kind of is what we try to portray to our staff and then the, the clients and customers that come in as well. P.S. Sam, I have not asked you to fill in the blanks on like what happens in a camps class. So you want to tell us also like what what folks are doing when they walk in the doors of the studio? Um, when you walk in to actually take a class, um, our treadmills are very, very high tech. Uh, we have the best treadmills in the world. Uh, we have a partnership deal with Techno Gym for the next three years, which hopefully we have a million by then. No. But um, <laughs> our treadmills are some of the best in the world. They have three different modes that, you know, it turns into a sled, it turns into a parachute, and the normal running mode with, like, higher speeds and higher inclines. But um, from the time you walk in to the time you walk out, a trainer is going to explain everything. The what, the how, the why, the when. We kind of want you to turn your brain off, be present in the room, focus on the workout, you know, I say this in my classes, you can't control anything outside of the room while you're in it. So be present. Mm -hmm. Only thing you can control is how hard you push and how much you can try. And we try to say to everyone, try your best. Doesn't matter. Um, And then, so you start on a treadmill or a floor spot, depending how big the classes are. Uh, From there, depends on what day of the week it is. We have strength training on the floor. We have uh, cardiovascular running and sled pushes and parachute mode on the treadmill. And you go back and forth between the two. Uh, essentially high intensity interval training is a way to say it. Cause that's kind of what hits with most people, but it's a special way to train that has you burning calories for 24 hours. And if you're very consistent with it, uh, you come back and I was going to say it gets easier, 
But the beautiful thing about <laughs> the beautiful thing about this workout is once you hit a point, you can always add weight, you can always go faster, you can always try a little bit different and harder and different things. So the reason why it works is you can do it for a consistent and long period of time. Yeah, I mean that's the great thing about picking up heavy stuff is you can always pick up heavier stuff, right? Exactly. <laughs> you can always change the tempo. You can always change something to challenge yourself. Okay. Thank you for that background. I'm so sorry I didn't ask sooner. Um, so you opened in Madison, and the thing I'm obsessed with when it comes to camps, maybe because I went to Wisconsin and I worked in the bar scene, and I feel like if camps had been there, I probably would have worked at camps. Maybe not. Who knows? Um, or I would have worked at both. But your go-to-market strategy for opening this boutique fitness campus and getting in front of the youths is my favorite part of the story. You want to just tell us what you did? Like, what did you do to catch the eye? Oh, so at the age of ripe old age, ripe young age of 26 years old, my brother and I moved to Madison. And not only were we doing guerrilla marketing and putting flyers on every door and, and going everywhere, but our main, and I believe still to this day, our most effective marketing strategy was uh, my brother's name is Ari. Ari and I would go to the bars and buy a lot of shots and pass out shots and give out free class cards as we were passing out the shots. So, uh, you know, it was a way to interact with all of our, you know, main portion of our clientele, but we also were having a good time with it as well. I mean, it makes sense because at that, I mean, Sam, how old are you now? If you don't mind me uh, asking. I am 33, about to turn 34. Okay, so I'm 36, about to turn 37, and I feel like you hit your 30s and you're like getting drunk and then working out the next day is my nightmare. But when you're, <laughs> you're like when you're, it, let's say everyone's 21, but let's yeah. be honest, 19, 20, 21. Um, when you're in college, you can you can rage and like get up and sweat and you feel fine. Yeah, it's. It, I used to be able to do that and teach the next day and work out tonight and be completely fine. Now, if I have like a glass of wine, I am, I can't get in front of people the next day. Something happens. No, I know. I don't like, <laughs> yeah. Like don't ask me any questions. Like don't talk to me. Uh, I need a nap. Like I'm good for two hours max. And then I need a nap anyway. Um, you also, you also visited, um, in Wisconsin, in Madison, Wisconsin, Langham street is historically like the street where a lot of the fraternities and sororities are, um, you didn't, you visit chapter meetings as well at sororities. Yeah. So we were able to get in front of chapter meetings and I was, I'd walk into these sororities and fraternities, uh, to explain who we are, um, you know, doing private classes for sororities as a group. So we would get 30 or 40 at a time to come in free classes all in the beginning. So everything was, let's just get people in the door. Um, and then on top of that, we opened and had a week of free classes because no one knew who I was, who we were. So we just, anything we can do to get into any, in front of anyone's face to get them into our studio doors. Uh, we tried and we did. I love it. I was, uh, I was in a sorority in, in college and at Wisconsin and it, when you said you went to chapter meetings, I was like, of course you did. That makes perfect sense. Like I was a, a Delta Gamma and I remember, um, when the, I can't think of their name, but it was like a men's acapella group. You probably can think of it if I mention it, but they would come to chapter meetings and people would go crazy. Um, 
So when boys come to visit, this is all very sexist and backwards, but it's true. Uh, <laughs> we went to fraternities too. So you did? How did that go? Um, not well. We had a fraternity. <laughs> we had very, one fraternity was very strong, had a strong presence at camps. Um, the rest, it, it, college guys don't love group fitness, we've realized. Um, there's some that do. Honestly, not to say they don't, but yeah. I'm trying to tell them that it's the best place to meet new people. It's the best place to, you know, you can get fit. You can meet new people. Yeah. And, uh, we have we have a few. It's not the, our biggest bulk. Our biggest bulk is bulk of clientele is uh, sororities. I mean, we could talk about this all day, but guys, get into group fitness. Like you'll pick up heavy stuff. It's really effective and efficient. It is. Okay. Let's move on. We could come, we could talk about this all day. Um, okay. So it's not just Madison. You've opened other studios. So talk to us about the other studios you've opened and what you've learned along the way. Uh, so we opened, uh, in Miami about, I think it might be four and a half years ago now. Um, and then we also have one in LA as well. Uh, our original plan for Miami, we opened across the street from the university of Miami, get all the university of Miami students as well as you know, the South Miami, let's say young adult crowd in as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, we kind of came up with a plan of hitting and sticking with college campuses, but then also getting bigger cities involved as well. And then as soon as we opened Miami, we kind of were like, we can compete in, you know, be in any uh, community around the country. So we opened in LA a few months ago. So uh We've learned it's really hard to get people out of their normal routine, but we yeah. find that when you walk into our studios, we we put a lot of money and effort and time into making them something special. So when you walk in, you get the atmosphere that you've never seen before and something that you've never felt before that brings people and has people wanting to come back. Yeah, and the, the treadmill is really special too, but it's also like you couple that with great coaching and, and good, um, good heavy weights. Like it's yeah. unbeatable. We, we train our trainers in a very specific way to make sure that, you know, the class is for everyone, but they're also explaining everything. So you're never going to get injured. Uh, you have the opportunity to walk if you don't want to run. So we give, you know, different variations that really does apply to everybody that I find to be very unique with us. And it's not to say, anyone else does anything wrong, but we, we harp and focus on making sure that proper form and education behind it is, uh, part of the workout. Yeah. And there, there was one studio along the way you learned, you learned a few things in Arizona too. Let's talk about it. Um, we've all had one of those. <laughs> so we also had a studio, uh, the university of Arizona in Tucson. Um, that one didn't really hit as well as the others. Um, we actually weren't losing money when we closed it. We just uh, weren't making money and it was a big hassle and we were able to get out of our lease. Uh, still figuring out to this day exactly what happened, but uh, it, it's a different demographic by our plain and simple by our studies and what we learned, it should have been the best. It has the wealthiest pop, uh, student population in the country. Uh, 
these kids were driving around in Mercedes and BMWs and Range Rovers and everything you possibly imagine. And we were in the heart of their private housing. And mm. you, you think Arizona pool parties every day, but it just didn't, it didn't hit, it didn't click. And we learned. How long, how long did you give it? So we were open for, I believe a year and a half. Honestly, I feel, I feel like that's a, a sufficient amount of time to like sort of pull the ripcord too. And, and I think like a lot of, I'm sure we could talk about this all day too, but like a lot of business owners get caught up in like sunk costs. Like we've put this much into it. We've put this much time and effort and it's the sunk cost fallacy uh, because, because like just because you've spent this much time and effort doesn't mean it's going to pay off. Right. Correct. Yeah. We, we very quickly learn that, you know, keeping that open was going to be worse than uh, just closing it. So we took our losses. We ended up, you know, storing our dumbbells. We ended up moving the treadmills to Madison. So they had new ones. And then we, the dumbbells that were in uh, Arizona are now in our LA studio. So we were able to save That's some awesome. money. That. It was just the build out cost and that headache that, you know, you learn, you live and you learn. That's all it is. Yeah. And I, and I think honestly, that's a, a great for anyone listening to this, who's thinking about opening a studio or who just has any business in general. Like, I think the idea of giving yourself like a set window and saying like, if we don't achieve this benchmark by this date, we pull the ripcord. Um, yeah. Setting, setting goals. And when you don't hitting that, don't hit them, make adjustments rather than just throw money at the problem is a, yep. is a big, uh, something that I learned, something that we learned. Yeah. Big lesson. We've all learned. <laughs> we've all learned it one way or another. All right. Moving on from Arizona, we've got the three studios you love and love you back in Madison, Miami, and in LA. Um, but we had to get through the pandemic of it all. <laughs> what, what did you learn through that? Uh, <laughs> and how did your team come together through that experience? I hate so, laughing at this part, but it's just like, <laughs> it's at this just, point. Yeah. Um, the pandemic. So we, and I give my brother credit for this, was probably the first person to actually see what was going to happen. So we were the first studio, I can say with confidence, to close. We closed very early. And I can say this with 98% confidence, and people are going to say, absolutely, you're crazy. I taught the first Zoom fitness class because when we closed that same day, I said to my brother, let's see what happens on Zoom. So we sent a Zoom to our 10 like closest just friends and clients. I said, let's see what happens. And we did it. And then we worked. We did work rounds. We added a microphone. We made sure you were in the right lighting. So essentially, we closed all of our studios uh, in March. We didn't open any of them again until middle end of September of that following year. And we did it with all masks, but we were able to create an online community around the world, which was one of the coolest things I've ever been part of. Uh, we started off doing free classes because, you know, everyone was going through hardship. So we didn't want to be the company that was like, pay us $300 and then you can work out with us. We, were, we said, you know, you're going through something difficult. We're going through something difficult. Why not? You know, we had about six classes a day. I was teaching maybe two or three of them. We had trainers all around the country doing it. Uh, and 
we built a community of, you know, we would teach classes and people would stay on the Zoom and ask us questions. We did theme classes where, you know, we'd say, hey, we're going to teach classes with bottles of wine because we know you don't have weights or pots and pans or pillows or blankets. Um, so we started off that way. We built an incredible community. And then my brother and I wanted to help as much as we can with what was going on in the world. So we started doing optional donations for uh, Feeding America, where here's our link to the classes. But if you want to add to it, you know, add to it. I, I'm not exactly sure how much we raised. I forgot. But somewhere between like twenty dollars and $30,000 for Feeding America. That's great. And then everything was going on with the protests and the social movements. And we wanted to be a part of that as well. So we did classes and sponsor for our, our main uh, charity that we'd worked for was uh, Color of Change. And we ended up giving, you know, donating probably anywhere between ten dollars and $15,000 to them as well. It's not the most exorbitant amount of money, but it was definitely, you know, we were trying to do our part just through fitness. And then we hit a point where we're like, wait, we actually need to survive as a company. But Again, pulling it back, we didn't want to charge people hundreds of dollars to work out with us. So we said, hey, 20 bucks a month, 25 bucks a month. You can take as many classes as you want. We'll email you the Zoom link every day for you to get on. And uh, it was something that, you know, our manager in Madison, Wisconsin was in the group chat talking to people while my brother and I were teaching in Colorado. And then the next one, we had a trainer in Miami where I was doing the chat. So we had someone running the chat. We had someone teaching the classes. We sent microphones and cameras to all of our uh, staff and trainers. And we, the craziest thing is I've, I've been teaching classes for, you know, close to 10 years, nine years now. And I never get nervous before classes. There was one mm-hmm. class had like 620 people. And I said to my brother, I was like, holy, like, what is going on? (laughs) Like, this is amazing. This is crazy. And uh, luckily, the community that we built and all the people that came and joined us online, you know, helped our company survive. And we survived with just, you know, having weekly meetings like we normally did. We didn't fire anybody. Uh, we had people training to be eventually on videos and eventually we got them on and we kept doing the online classes even when our studios opened. But then as everything really started to slow down, uh, we built an on-demand library through that. But as things really started to slow down with COVID and the pandemic and everything started opening, we followed suit and we stopped doing the live classes. So you have on demand now. Um, is that sort of a, a part of membership or a part of access it's, for everybody? It's completely separate, um, mm-hmm. but it's again we kept it very cheap. It's the online and digital portion for fitness is a very very competitive space. Uh, you have these massive corporations like Peloton and Mirror with Lululemon and uh, Tonal that have really taken over and it's hard to compete if you don't have the millions of dollars in marketing to spend towards it. So we turned our focus from online and digital and put it back towards brick and mortar. Yeah. And honestly, it's consumers want to be in studio now too. Like those three companies you just mentioned, like 
all went through massive layoffs. <laughs> like with the except, I mean, with the exception of Lemon, uh, as far as I know, I don't think they laid off a huge team. Um, probably because they have the apparel business to support them. Exactly. Um, but they they definitely all of them are going through changes now. So luckily, you have the flexibility to be able to go back to brick and mortar and go back to giving your your consumers what they want. Yeah. Uh, the, all of those companies took a business, you know, a route during the pandemic that ended up close to biting them in the ass. Sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> you can say ass. Okay. Um, <laughs> and now they're paying the price, but it's still, they have such an amazing product and these companies are very special in what they do that if you don't have the proper funds to go up against them, it's a very difficult space. It's a very different business too. It's a very different business. Okay. Um, I love, I love the fact that you built up such an incredible online community that now I'm sure is like just hungry, um, to work out with you in person, the story of a 620 person class. Like how do you keep up with that chat anyway? Um, here we are. Um, so throughout one thing I, I do want to make sure we talk about, like you work with your brother <laughs> and I, I know not everybody who's listening to this, um, is either in a position where they could work with their sibling because maybe they're in a different place or they're in different industries. Uh, but what has it been like to go through all of this with your brother? Uh, <laughs> good and bad days. Good and bad days is the best way to describe it. But we were fortunate enough to start this company together. Um, we are 15 months apart. Uh, and we fortunately had nothing tying us down. So we were able to move from city to city to city. You know, we have our family in Miami. But uh, when we first started, we weren't in any relationships. We were able to just kind of go move, do what we have to do and move from place to place. So we were fortunate in that aspect. Uh, working with your family can be difficult. Uh, my brother and I have our little tiffs and tats and uh, are very different when it comes to how we want things done, but we're always able to come together in the end and make sure that everything is all right and that we agree on everything. Um, but we're l living and learning too, you know. I, I lived with Ari obviously my entire life growing up where we weren't very close. Uh, we competed for in sports. We competed in school. We competed in basketball. We competed for girls. We competed in everything. So there was always a little bit of tension. And then once he went to college, he went to University of Michigan, uh, something like clicked and we were like, oh, wait, we're kind of best friends. So and we do have we do have an oldest brother too. I don't want to forget about him. Yeah. He's, you know, he's extremely supportive and helpful, and he's amazing as well. Uh, but where did he go to college? He went to <laughs> University of Denver. Okay, fine. So, fine. Uh, but he's a Badger fan, so we'll take it. Okay, great, great, great. So it's essentially my oldest brother, me, my dad versus Ari because he went to Michigan. So it's there's yeah. that little bit of rivalry. Uh, but he, you know, we, we do everything together and make the decisions together. But when it comes to training the trainers, that's, you know, mainly my aspect when it comes to operational in the studio, we make sure every, like he's, he cleans mirrors, he cleans screens just like I do. And, uh, 
we've been able to create this sort of balance where we kind of know who's going to do what, but we come together when we need to, to get things done together. So I don't know if other people have that relationship with their brothers. And I'm fortunate to have that because, you know, we both have the same goal. We both want the same thing and we're both, you know, willing to do what it takes to get there. So that's always in the back of our mind, no matter where we are, he's going to be in Miami next week. I'm here. And then we travel from spot to spot, but, uh, the challenging days, I'll say this. There's one thing about really good about working with your family. No matter how upset or crazy things get, he still remains my brother and I will love him forever. And that's, if there's a business tip or something bad that happened, there is a longer lasting relationship no matter what. So keeping that in the back of your mind really eases certain situations. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've worked with my husband in the past and there are days where you're just like, you (laughs) hate that person. You know, like you, it'd be like if you had someone else to go home to and talk about like what happened at work, the person I had to go home to was my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Who also, it also. So I, I, yeah. So it's, uh, I get that completely. Similar. Yeah. Yeah. Similar. Um, so, so I get it, but it's also like at the end of the day, that person has your back, um, and they are like in it, um, with you. I mean, we don't share blood luckily, thankfully, (laughs) but we we do have a legal document keeping us together. Um, but I digress. So it sounds like the whole family is very supportive of this, that I jokingly asked you, Sam, last time you talked, like, what'd your parents think when you stopped practicing law, but really like talk to, talk to us about how, um, your family has gotten behind you and your brother in this decision to do to do fitness. Yeah. Uh, my parents probably are the most supportive people in the entire world that I've ever met. Uh, they are the absolute best. They've been fortunately married for, I think, 38 years now. And they, I think the day that I told my dad that I was going to do fitness full time, he probably had like a five second pause of like, Oh, she's like, but then immediately, like without hesitation after that, he's like, okay, what do we need to do? Like, how can we help you? Uh, let's make this thing happen. He was very involved in creating the name. He was very involved in just supporting Ari and I to get to where we needed to go to start the business. So, and then my mom is the sweetest human in the entire world that has been telling me I could be in the NBA since I was five years old. So I still think she thinks I can go to the NBA, but, um, no, but she's, they're fully supportive. And I think that the stop from law, I mean, my brother was in real estate finance, so it was like a kind of combination of, we're not going to do what we did to study, but we're going to use it to help build a business. And I think they saw that and were able to realize that, you know, the schooling and then in the studying that we did will only help us succeed in, in camps. Yeah, you can use whatever you studied forever. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I love that. I love that. I, I picture you going home to Miami for the holidays or whenever and just getting the whole family together uh, to do insane workouts. Uh, yeah, just let me have it. Let me have it, Sam. <laughs> you, you think that. We're going to leave yeah. that there. I can tell yeah. you that the one person in my family that – 
you know, my dad is now, you know, 73 years old. He works out every day, if not multiple times a day. And he, he's in incredible shape. So I think I got that fitness side from him. Uh, when it comes to the rest of my family, they are all in great shape. They do not enjoy working out as much as my father and I do. That's all. I got it. <laughs> got it. Okay. To each their own. Everyone's got to find their own thing. Exactly. Okay. So Sam, we need, we need your parting wisdom. Obviously everyone who's listening to this is going to find a camps either in their city now, LA, Miami, or Madison, Wisconsin, um, and get in there, but maybe city near you soon. Tell us what advice would you give to someone coming into a class for the very first time? Uh, the one thing that everyone says when they come into a room is I'm nervous or I'm scared or I've never done something like this before. And I want that person to know and everyone to know that nothing you can do is wrong. So you just putting one foot in front of the other and trying your best and giving the effort that works for you is the most important part. So don't ever be afraid of walking into a workout class or walking into something and failing because there's no such thing as failing. You know, everyone's on different levels. So if it's your first time, your hundredth time, like you're going to do what works for you in there. So never be afraid of anything. And if anyone makes you feel bad in that way, then they're not the person or the place for you. So, you know, we want you to feel comfort. We want you to feel safe. We want you to feel happy not upset that you did a workout, not miserable that you're doing a workout. I want you to take your mind away from all the negative and kind of be like, wait, you know, this room is actually a great place to work out, to be happy, to make friends, to just, you know, I don't want to say avoid, but I want to say not think about the negatives in life and be able to turn something into a positive. And even if it's for 50 minutes a day that you can just escape and be happy and just work on yourself mentally, you know, cause it's more mental than physical. Your body doesn't change in one workout. Sorry for anyone who thought it did, but you know, if you come in a room like ours and you have this, I'm, I'm scared. I have a little bit of fear, but you do something you didn't think you can do. Then mentally your mind can change after every single class. So it's a sense getting a sense of accomplishment versus changing your body immediately because if you can change your mind you know class at a time then the body and the physical and the mental will all come after but uh just don't be afraid and and try your best and if you need to walk you walk if you need to drop weight you drop weight if you need to rest you rest but as long as you're being true to yourself and not quitting on yourself then you'll be able to succeed in the class and, and I think it also like points to a universal adult truth too, which is like, everybody's afraid when things are new. Um, so, you know, like you're in good company, right? Yeah. Fear, fear of the unknown is, is a real thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's real. I've, moved, I've moved from city to city and I haven't known anyone in LA or when I moved to Tucson, uh, even when I moved to Madison, I, I, I didn't know anyone there. So getting over that fear and just, again, one foot in front of the other, you'll make it through. Awesome. Sam, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. No, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. 
This has been another episode of We Got Goals, which is an AsweatLife.com production and another thing that's better with friends. Thanks to Sam Carl for joining me. And remember, you can get a discount to use at Camps Fitness. Use code ASWETLIFE20 to get 20% off all packages and drop-in classes. And don't forget, your first class is free. Another big thanks to Ryan Deffitt for editing, Ryan Barayuga for video production, and to you, our listeners, for subscribing wherever you get your podcasts.